electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. Hi, I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on Squawk Pod, Walmart's second dire warning in two weeks. First, slashing its outlook, now making a tough corporate call. Layoffs just across the board, whenever you have them, because they actually affect people, are, are hard whether you think that they're paper pushers or not. Inflation's hitting the big box stores and also the little guy. But will the Senate Democrats' many billion dollar big plan ease the pain? Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg. No question the inflation is still biting people and we want to continue to see gas prices go down and become more affordable for Americans. Those stories, plus the drama over the Saudi-backed golf upstart goes to the courts, fake news in China, and a Hollywood twist, the box office not dead yet. Some of us love movie stars. I think Tom Cruise is like, like the coolest. The man. It's Thursday, August 4th, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand under by in three, two, one, two, Andrew. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Andrew Ross Sorkin along with Joe Kernan. Becky's off today. Do you remember, did you like the, the, the movie Wall Street? Do you remember the Teldar, you remember Gecko's speech, yeah. Teldar paper? Yeah. He goes, there's more than 200 vice presidents sitting behind me and I have no idea what any of them do oh. at, Tel, at Teldar yeah. paper. He goes, I think they just send paper back and forth between each other. So Walmart confirmed it has begun to lay off corporate oh, employees about a week after it's, it's last. Its profit outlook warned the consumers have pulled back on discretionary spending. A spokesperson uh, declined to say how many workers would be affected and from which divisions, but uh, she said Walmart is still hiring in the parts of the business that are growing, including supply chain, e-commerce, health and wellness, and ad sales. And that was in no way a comment on any of our middle managers. Uh, at NBC or, or CNBC, because they're all, I think every one of those is absolutely essential that, that we've got, Andrew. And I know you agree with me wholeheartedly on that. As you know, I think that layoffs just across the board, whenever you have them, because they actually affect people, are, are hard, whether you think that they're paper pushers or not. So it's... Um, this is true. But as has been, and you know, it's a, that's the, the knock on private equity. They come in, they cut costs. You know what they always say, though? You'd rather have 50% of a workforce at a vibrant, successful, profitable company yes. that, ha- that has what your favorite thing, sustainability. It has sustainability. You'd rather have that than, than, than keep 100% on and, and have them you know, declare Chapter 11 and the whole thing goes away. So it's always That's totally it's, true. It's, and it's by somewhere the way, in between. I, somewhere in between. I think right? if you, I think that most managers today will tell you that actually the pandemic taught them, in fact, that they probably had too many people. That meaning they could do they could do more or at least the same with less. I mean, and I look think how, that was one. And of look them. look how it worked because those people that may not have their old whatever it was now can get more money 
to go to something else and we still don't have enough workers. So even with all right. that dynamic that you talked about, now they can switch jobs, they can get more money, be in a growing industry instead of, you know, instead of an antiquated one. So it, it can, a dynamic workforce can help. And I would say that over in Europe where their whole antitrust uh, mentality is about maintaining jobs, not, not the best prices for consumers, uh, you know, they won't, they won't allow a merger because you might lose. They won't allow for economies of scale and, and overlap and getting rid. Of, and, and look what happens. They, their GDP is 50 percent, usually below ours in this great, great country. Um, that's a longer debate. But let's uh, there's some more other news to How get to this do, morning. What, uh, that it's a great country? You, I'll debate no, you any time no, 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 on no. that, Buster. It, no, no. Uh, it's okay. a great country. No, I, I think some of the antitrust laws... <laughs> that are around jobs and, you're and an whether, you, on whether jobs should be taken into consideration or anything. I mean, I think that there are larger questions and this goes to the inequality issues and so many other things. So right. that's why that's in your blood, right? That's in your blood. That's a Sorkin. Uh, the that's a Sorkin yes, gene. It is. So we, we love the conversation of antitrust. No, I, I, yeah, antitrust. I think you've, you've got some relativism. Yeah. Relatives yes. that we're in that business. Right? He, right. he retired right. today, but I'm not retired. He didn't retire just today, but retired many years ago. But absolutely. <laughs> Paramount Global just out with quarterly numbers. The media company beating estimates by three cents with adjusted profit of 64 cents per share. Revenue also topping Wall Street forecasts. Now, Paramount results got a boost from the success of a movie that I know Joe and I loved, Top Gun Maverick. Right, Joe? Are we responsible for this? I'm thinking I might even see it again and, and go to uh, Gelfand's. One of his places. See it in IMAX. See it in IMAX. Yeah, it was so. Yeah, it was so good. Um, I'm a. But you know, I think Tom Cruise is like, like coolest. I mean, he's uh, the man. He jumped By like way, 120 just, times out of an airplane to get one scene. It's like. Uh, it's remarkable. It looked like in the pre-market, assuming that that is still right, it's down about four percent on that news. So yep. while it's positive it's in so far as it's yeah. better than expected, we've seen a lot of the big media companies. Uh, really get uh, pushed down over the past couple of weeks, if that not girl, longer than that. Sorkin, but. I don't know if you were, you know, had plans, whether you already got tickets or anything, but Batgirl, you're not going to, uh, it's not happening. Well, that, that's right. That's one of David Zaslav's uh, latest decisions. It's a remarkable one. We should probably talk about it at some point. You know, yep. they spent $70, $80 million on that yep. film. Most costly. And nobody canceled, will ever see that yeah. film. Most nobody costly will ever see it. It'll go ever. into the vault. It had J.K. Simmons in it and uh, it had some big stars in it. Some other ones Michael too. Keaton is in it. Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton's in the film. Oh, but, but he so could interesting never, to me. Who could he ever play? He could never be Batman or anything like that. Did you? Like, but what was so interesting was the reason, the reason that they did it or the reason, the reason they killed the, the program Partially is a very interesting accounting decision, apparently, which oh, yeah? is that up until mid-August, mid they could actually write it down. So as uh, they're trying to look for costs yeah. to take out. And in addition to not having to spend another, you know, 80 plus million dollars to, to both finish and market the film. So yeah. it's, a, it's very interesting. I mean, I don't think anyone's seen anything like that in Hollywood in a very long Where's time. Where's Zaslav been? We need him. We need to have him on. Talk about some of this stuff. Phil Mickelson. Bryson DeChambeau. Here we Ten go. Over. We're back to antitrust, Joe. We're back to antitrust. We back to a again. golf story that, that you will participate in because it, it's love has it. to. Yep. Love this Ten story. other golfers. I mean, I love the story. I don't know what, where I land let's, on the issue. But go ahead. What it is. Uh, Saudi-backed Live Golf Series filing an antitrust suit to challenge their suspensions by the PGA Tour. Some of the plaintiffs are seeking a temporary restraining order 
that would allow them to play in the PGA Tours FedEx Cup playoffs, big money there, uh, which begins next week. The lawsuit accuses the PGA of threatening lifetime bans on players who participate in live golf, as well as threatening sponsors, vendors, and agents. In a memo yesterday uh, to players, PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan defended the suspensions. He said, the suspended players are now Saudi Golf League employees. They walked away from the tour and they went back in. It's interesting, Andrew, to some extent, didn't the DOJ kind of signal that maybe they've got some uh, empathy for, for these guys, for the, for the live guys? They're looking at the PGA Tour, right? Yeah. So he, Which, here's he, the thing, and, and it's, it's funny that he used the word employees. He said they were employees of, of live, and I, I'm not sure that's the case, but the issue is whether they are independent contractors, effectively, or they actually are employees. If you're an employee of one company, um, that company has every right to say you can't also do X, Y, or Z or be an employee or work for somebody else. That's possible. Uh, and the choice of that employer, in which case the PGA is, is arguing that they are the employer. However, my understanding is that folks, and you know this better than I do, Joe, the players that are in the PGA tour are not employees. They're not paid as employees of the PGA. And that makes it very, very difficult uh, from an antitrust perspective to prevent them from using another service. Similar, by the way, to put it in a completely different context, but similar to the way an Uber driver is actually very much allowed to drive also for Lyft. If Uber had said to everybody driving Uber, you can't drive for Lyft, that would create an anti-competitive uh, problem given that these mm. technically are not employees. I was thinking about it, as you can imagine, just from the overall, I don't know, the overall discussion we have about uh, relationships with the Saudis and, and their, their sovereign fund. And, and I, I know Greg Norman has been speaking out lately saying yep. that the hypocrisy is And about is Tiger just, Woods and everything else. The hypocrisy is widespread for all the sponsors that have some type of relationship in Saudi Arabia or China or do business in China or and uh, it, I thought it was interesting that instead of the you know Phil's gotten a lot of grief when, I think he's gotten some support from fans but I think others have, have booed him and talked about 9-11 and things like that and he's had to address right. a lot of those questions but this is a very this is taking it right back to people offensively this is not hiding and, and not wanting to talk about what, what they're doing. This is like saying, look, we're going to sue for our rights to keep playing on the, on the PGA Tour, and we're going right. to keep our $200 million, uh, from, from, the, uh, from the Saudis. You, Tiger, did you see what Tiger was offered? God, what a guy. Seven or $800 million. Turned so it down. So amazing, isn't it? You know what? Because he has morals. Because he has and, some and, morals left. And, and how, I mean, and I know that people would Well, what about his legacy? I mean, he's the greatest golfer ever, probably. He's almost... If he hadn't had a couple of those things happen, he probably would have, uh, have beaten Jack's record in terms of major uh, championships won. But, you know, when he's got legacy issues to think about, I can see why. Uh, and he does, you know, how many water skis, how many uh, boats can you water ski behind, uh, Andrew? T we talk Tiger's about probably, this all the time. Tiger's probably going to be a billionaire uh, on a, without any money from the Saudis. It's why I've turned down all those, all those contracts, Joe. You know, at some point, it's just we've talked. We've talked. There's a there's a number for you at at uh, at the Live Business Channel. There's a number for you. Tell me, there's isn't there? Is there? If it there's come none. on, <laughs> all right. Next on Squawk Pod, gas prices could be leveling out. So has inflation peaked? 
Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg on the enormous plan to keep prices down. One of many, many things that is exciting about the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which is also the most significant, uh, stands to be the most significant climate action we've ever had in, in federal law, is that it helps pave the way for that, for that zero carbon energy production, including, by the way, uh, realistic choices around nuclear. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod. Stand by Joe in three, two, one, his mic, cue. Good morning and welcome back to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Becky is off today. Andrew, some interesting uh, news out of uh, people that follow gasoline demand. Do you know that gasoline demand is now below where it was in 2020? So the prices have finally... Yep. Um, it, it, they're, they've come down, but they're high enough to where people are actually driving less than when they but people that's were the demand, driving. Right. Huh? This it, is the, the demand problem. The demand is now down to the point where they should continue to fall, but they're falling. I'm not sure they're falling for the right reasons. They're falling because it's too expensive for people right. uh, to, to drive very far. And I know that you have you know, I've tried to talk you out of driving 50, 60, 70 miles to save a nickel a gallon. That, that just, have you done the math? It doesn't really that doesn't really add up when you do that. Where do you go? You've been out in western uh, eastern Pennsylvania to try to find the uh, how far do you actually go to get to, to find get the a cheapest nick- gas? Yeah. Across the bridge to your home state of New Jersey. <laughs> do you really where I find the cheapest gas? Did you go past that? I got to other- pay the I got to pay the toll on the George Washington Bridge and then and then it's yeah, exactly it's undone that, that whatever savings no I had. That makes no sense. That's your favorite when you go south from there, you love the, that little stretch of road there, don't you, with all the toxic, toxic waste dumps and the factories and all that? Oh, you, when I have to do this. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I know about that part. There you go again, endearing yourself. It's the garden state. Endearing myself to the great, to the great folks It's a funny-smelling garden, garden. It's a f- funny-smelling garden, isn't it? <laughs> Depends where. There's a beautiful part. You know, you know there's Tell some very it. beautiful parts of the garden there. state. There's I love no New question. Jersey. I do. Go ahead. Um, you know. You can just get, you just got to get on the beach of the Jersey Shore. Hang out on the Jersey Shore with Snooky. Joining us now, Transportation Secretary Pete uh, Buttigieg. Mr. Sec- uh, Secretary, it's good to have you on. Good morning. Good to be with you. I've told you my wife's name, right? Did I tell you that her name's Penelope? Have I told you that? That's right. Great so, name, Penelope. Ran the kingdom while... Uh, 
Odysseus was uh, out trying but to find his way home. But you don't call Joe, Joe, though. It's Joe, uh, it's Joseph August. Do you call him Joe? Your your twins, Joe He goes by Gus, but, you know, when he's old enough to decide, maybe he'll uh, he'll favor a different nickname. We'll see. Is there a birthday soon? It's coming Pardon up. My... Yeah, we were within days of the twins' first birthday, which is hard to believe. By I, my, the first few by months my were blur anyway. Well, you ruined and, it by uh, not being Joe and Penelope. Been a year. Yeah, Penelope Rose is, is uh, what a beautiful... Uh, name. I don't know. You we can still so. call him Joe occasionally. I think. All right. So, in your honor, I'll, I'll, I'll do it this week. <laughs> okay. Don't don't curse him with my honor. Um, you know what I want to ask you first. Every time I see a poll for who, uh, if if President Biden doesn't run for re-election, you're like at the top of the. You're sometimes you poll better, I dare say, than than the vice president. What, what do you make of that? And, and how do you feel about that? And what should we think about that? And don't just dodge it. Just, just tell me whether that's something that might happen. I, I got a day job. I, I've got way too much on my hands right now. To that is even the, begin that's to the think same answer yeah, that true. everybody. Uh, huh? Are you flattered? It's the at least? right answer, Joe. Look, uh, <laughs> you look at the responsibilities that this department has. You look at the job that the president of the United States has asked me to do. And the last thing that we have energy for, we got 46 new programs from this law alone hitting this department alone. There's no time to get caught up in, in Washington parlor games. We haven't even gotten to the, uh, to the midterms. I'm looking forward to supporting the president's reelection. Uh, that is as much as I can say about these things yeah. while I'm here uh, on an official, uh, in a, in official capacity. Not uh, everyone says that. What I can that, also though. say is that we've it, got an administration that already has a lot to be proud of. We're pushing hard to make sure we will continue to have a lot to be oh proud God, of. God, I haven't even asked you a question yet. Good policy yet. is good politics. I haven't asked you a question yet about that. You're so good at, uh, at get, getting on uh, on point. Let me let me start with this. The the average price of gas and you you tell me whether this is good. It it has dropped, but the four-week average of gasoline consumption, the best gauge for the of demand in the country is now a million barrels lower than it was in the summer of, of 2020 for the same period. So that the $4, even though it's come down, it's now become, uh, it's at the point where people are driving less than, than even during the pandemic when there wasn't a lot of people go, going out. So the, the inflation is still biting uh, people, uh, Mr. Secretary. No question the inflation is still biting people, and that's, that's why it remains the president's top economic priority. I will say there's a lot of layers to that figure of, uh, of consumption going down, right? Part of it is also that people are going to be more comfortable using transit or, or trains or other ways of getting around now than they would have been a year ago when not as many people were, uh, were vaccinated and protected. Uh, you've got a lot of different dynamics going on. But look, there's no question that uh, we want to continue to see gas prices go down and become more affordable for Americans. Uh, and we want to continue to see prices in general get under control. I think the steps that, that have been taken have had a, a real impact on that. We're going to keep pushing. We've talked about the Fed a lot, and it, it's an unwieldy tool to try to, to conquer inflation, and that is by, by trying to lessen demand in a lot of different areas. That's not, just isn't the greatest way to do things. It'd be better to increase supply, a lot of people say. So let's get back to, to what I always, I don't know if badger's the right word, but, but I, I always ask you about whether we're doing everything we can uh, on the supply side uh, for production. And we know that, that, that people want to move to renewables. You've made that point. Some would say that Germany and Europe that they rushed it. Are you saying right now that you're envious of the energy mix that Germany has right now in terms of, of hydrocarbons versus renewables? Or, or do you admit 
We need 10 years of, of maximum production of hydrocarbons as a bridge to the future. Oh, look, Germany's going to do what's right for Germany. We're going to do what's right for the U.S. I think you make a really good point about the supply side of things. Look, uh, what we need to do as a country, what we're seeing in terms of keeping up with the red-hot demand uh, that has uh, uh, been the case in this economy under this president, uh, and uh, you know what we need to do candidly in order to actually deliver on this infrastructure bill, it is going to test the productive capacity of this country and of this economy. I think in a good way, but we've got to gear up for it. And that means on, on everything from raw materials to workforce, and we're investing a ton in workforce, including on the, on the programs that, uh, that my department's working on, uh, and, and of course on energy. We, we've got to make sure we're ready. Now, we've also got to make sure we drive that transition to domestic clean energy. I don't think anyone's under any illusions that that can be done easily or that it can be done overnight. But one of many Many, many things that is exciting about the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which is also the most significant, uh, stands to be the most significant climate action we've ever had in, in federal law, is that it helps pave the way for that, for that zero carbon energy production, including, by the way, uh, realistic choices around nuclear, uh, which is uh, maybe not zero worry, but it is zero carbon and is part of the story, which is why it's uh, part of what is supported with the, uh, uh, with the, the tax uh, and credit structure that, that's built into the Inflation Reduction Act. So, yes, we've got to pay attention to the supply. So we respect the independence of the Fed, uh, a big difference between this administration and the last, but also recognize that the Fed's got their job, but fiscal policy and, and investment policy on the part of the administration uh, has to be there to support a strong, resilient, long-term, robust economy. And, you know, when I say supply side, I, uh, I might mean it in a way that's a little different than the way the term was thrown around in, in, in the Reagan years. But there, there is no question that we've got to be looking at the productive capacity of our country. Mr. Secretary, I wanted to ask you about the, the, the subsidies that now come back into play for EVs. Um, in certain cases, it will help the likes of Tesla, which would have been out of that business or at least not had those subsidies. But also hybrid vehicles, it looks to me, if I understand it properly, will also have those subsidies applied to them. And there's some thought that that may ac actually crowd out or may not incentivize the move towards full EVs as quickly and what you think of that critique? Well, I think, uh, look, I, I think some of the, the details are, are, are under discussion right now. But what's important is that we get to zero, uh, zero emissions as quickly as we can. And that, that, too, is not automatically a switch. I think there are a lot of consumers, including me, by the way, uh, who have turned to a, a plug-in hybrid vehicle that uh, is, for all intents and purposes, uh, an electric zero-emission vehicle most of the time, like when you're driving it around the city, uh, but uh, but uses gas uh, when you go out over ro the road. A lot of the more affordable options in recent years uh, and some of the vehicles that are just available uh, more readily have been of that type. Still, the long-term goal has to be to get to true, full zero emission. And we need a tax structure that can do that while also recognizing that, uh, again, you know, to come back to Joe's point on the supply side, uh, we, we also need to make sure that our OEMs uh, have the chance to gear up and, and produce for that. Uh, these vehicles are increasingly popular. We recently crossed that 5% sales threshold that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you look at the experience of other countries, has been found to be something of a tipping point that, that, that leads to you really uh, racing up the curve after that. And that is going to take a lot of work to gear up. So uh, I know there are, there are a lot of different ways to get there. And by the way, we're, we're, we're trying not to dictate every single step of this transition, knowing that ultimately it's up to industry, whether you're, and very, very different companies from, from the, the, the Teslas of the world to the, to the big three in Detroit, uh, all doing this in different ways. Uh, but 
all helping lead the way toward a made in America EV revolution. Right. Well, it's always up against a hard break whenever, whenever we have you, but um, it, it was good to have you on, uh, Mr. Secretary. Uh, so Penelope and Gus, same birthday. Weird, isn't it? What, uh, what is it, September, uh, what, September what? August, August 11th. We're coming right August up. August 11th. Oh, I thought it was September. August 11th. Yeah, what a coincidence. That's really cool. Uh, it makes it convenient. To, oh, oh, they're twins. I get it. Yeah. I got it. I, when I'm when I'm kidding around, I need to say it because I, I will end up on like a Ron Burgundy website. I, I swear to God, they'll put me on there like I don't understand things. Good to have you on. Happy birthday. What sign are they? What's August 11th? Squir- what is uh, I, don't that? Even, I, I don't know this. I'll be in trouble when I get home. Well, oh, my I'll God. You are going to be off. <laughs> Very good. Leo. Oh, take care. Leo. Leo. There we go. Leo. Le- yeah. Leo. Lionhearted. All right. Leo's. Cheese will be next. Coming up, fake news in China. New data on inauthentic information. CNBC's Eamon Javers joins us. Yeah, and social media is a huge leveraging. You know, Orwell could not have imagined Twitter, right? No. I mean, it is a vast leveraging mechanism for people who want to put out propaganda. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs and the small dogs who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Joe Kernan. Chinese government uh, controls any number of media outlets to push its point of view out to the world. That, I think, I could never happen here. But our Eamon Jevers uh, is here with details of a newly uncovered secret effort to amplify the message from Beijing. Eamon Jevers, the aforementioned, joins us now. What's going on, Eamon? Good morning, Joe. This research comes from Mandy, and it's out just this morning. And the, the new research says, uh, according to Mandy, that the Chinese government likely controls this vast network of fake social media sites and fake Internet news sites all around the Internet that are all pumping out the Chinese government's message. They have even, Mandy says, faked the words of a prominent United States senator. Now, the effort, they say, includes 72 news sites that the company suspects of being inauthentic, as well as phony characters on Twitter who amplify and comment on the content on the sites. All of this is going out to the world in 11 different languages, according to Mandiant. Now, this week, the fake news sites turned their attention to Nancy Pelosi's visit to Taiwan, publishing articles urging that the American Speaker of the House stay away from the island nation that China regards as its own territory. Now, Mandiant has alerted social media sites, and they say they've been cooperative in taking a lot of this stuff down. But John Holtquist of Mandiant tells me the whole goal here uh, in this Chinese effort is to use these fake third-party sites to do things that the Chinese government can't do with its own official propaganda organs. Take a listen. They're essentially trying to uh, create a a vision of reality that reflects, you know, that benefits them. Um, What's really great about this is this these tools don't have their fingerprints all over them. Now, one example of just how aggressive this whole effort is, at one point, Mandiant says the Chinese effort posted fake letters that were purportedly written by United States Senator Marco Rubio in an effort to push back on criticism of the Chinese government itself. Now, in a statement, Rubio told CNBC it's no surprise to him that the Chinese would try that. He says it's important to expose these networks. Even sloppy efforts can cause confusion. Now, guys, the key question with all of this 
this is just how effective is this fake propaganda network? And Mandian's take on that so far is that this is a nascent effort that the Chinese are just beginning. They're not as proficient at this sort of propaganda as the Iranians or the Russians might be, who are much further down the road here. But they say the Chinese are working hard to catch up with some of those other nations. Guys, back over to you. Social media, uh, in all of its uh, glory. Yeah, we've... Uh Yep. We've, we've seen some similar things. It's not the concerted effort we see. Uh, the masters of propaganda, uh, and I guess we're, you know, I'll get a message from you that we're off the air again, but masters of propaganda uh, over there. <laughs> right, Eamon? Yeah. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. the playbook. Look, it goes, the, goes the all the way back. social media is that... I mean, read some Orwell. That's, that's people the, believe the, it. Yeah, and social media is a huge leveraging. You know, Orwell could not have imagined Twitter, right? No. I mean, it is a vast leveraging mechanism for people who want to put out propaganda uh, or people who want to put out mean tweets or people who want right. to you know, tweet about the weekend, right? I mean, uh, it's, it puts power in the hands of everybody. But in this case, you know, the Chinese government is saying, hey, wait a second, we can do stuff that we could never have done before, and they're taking advantage of it. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks, Eamon. Appreciate that. Andrew, this, this at bet, Joe Squawk character is a real, I don't know who, the, he's a total incorrigible uh, type with fake info. That guy on Twitter? Yeah. This at Joe Squawk. With the blue check mark? Know. With the blue check mark, that guy? Oh, I, did, I forgot about that. I, I, yeah, that. I, I've, I've seen that guy on Twitter before. He's, I, no, he you haven't. I, block, I blocked you. I blocked you. He says you. some pretty provocative things, that guy. He does. I don't know him, though. I don't know him. Yeah, like you don't. Okay, well, A.R. Sork. Yeah, yeah, okay. Andrew, what, Andrew R. Back. Yeah, Andrew R. Okay. It's Andrew R. Andrew R. Sorkin said, don't, don't at me, as they say. You can tweet us at Squawk CNBC with any thoughts or comments. And please rate or review Squawk Pod on Apple Podcasts. We love feedback. We love to hear from you. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. And to get the best of our TV show, the smartest takes and analysis from the whole three hours right into your ears, follow Squawk Pod where you listen. We'll meet you right back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.